This is a retelling of the famous Greek myth Eros and Psyche when love and soul seek to unite for the first time in the history of creation. Retelling of the story of Eros and Psyche from the Greek myths to our self-created personal myths of love. Synopsis Re-narrating the famous Greek myth between Eros, the god of love, romance and sexual attraction with Psyche, the mortal with divine beauty, grace and perseverance, is an exercise in excavating a detailed observation of what really occurred then and is still acting upon us to notice in our human journey since. Bringing to the story the insights and nuances of the significance of such a story at the beginning of creation, what were its implications then for the characters in the story which represented aspects and elements of life that formed a jigsaw in the blueprint of early creation and draw from it the effects it has been bearing upon humanity through the times before us and even today. Eros represents love, romance and sexual attraction and Psyche represents beauty, grace and perseverance in their broadest terms. How are these virtues explored in the human psyche and what can we draw upon them from this story to have a deeper understanding of our own humanity today? Revisiting any myth is about reorienting and restructuring old laws and elements of life into the cultural, current cultural context. Every epic and myth has needed to be rewritten to address the current dilemmas, conflicts and concerns which may plague any community in order to help us evolve more conducive ways to conduct the experiment of being human effectively enough. This small book is written in a witty and insightful style with simple line drawing illustrations by the author herself and makes for a helpful, elegant and entertaining read to anybody grappling with love and beauty in their own lives today. Let's begin. Chapter 1 Once and twice and now a hundredth moment upon the length of time lived a king and queen in the ancient lands of the Greeks. They were very happy to be blessed with three daughters, each prettier than the other. The first princess was lovely as the first dew on a rose petal. The second princess was as lovely as a bud slowly opening itself to the morning kisses of the first ray of the sun. But the third princess's beauty was so astoundingly great that it's not even possible for any teller of stories to contain in words. The best that can be said about her beauty was that even the goddesses of heaven would envy her and that's exactly what happens in this story. Hang in there till you hear the overlapping plots of how true love is born hundreds of years ago due to beauty and envy endurance and sacrifice to the gods and to the mortals. So as it happens, even back then, people had the urge to shower admiration over a babe that is so exquisitely beautiful. We must remember here that this was the time when all of creation was still in its formative stage and hence no one, not even the gods nor the humans had encountered anything so celestial 
and new as the emotion and the power of love which was then invoked by the elements to shape their worlds in heaven in heaven and on earth and the underworld equally hence it is only natural that the third princess is subject to receiving an unnatural amount of attention not just from her royal parents royal relatives but also from the citizens of a kingdom and from the neighboring kingdoms and their royal families even the birds and animals were heard purring and roaring twittering and singing the praises of her beauty everyone made a beeline to the king's palace to have a look at such a rare beauty and shower her with unnecessary amounts of gifts and adulations now this went on for a long time such that everyone began to compare her to the beauty of the one and only perfect beauty of the goddess venus as the greeks referred to and as aphrodite as the romans did and if you may as we indians referred to as ahilya the daughter of lord brahma that the lord of all creation himself fell in love with his own daughter and chased after as the story goes this young princess is receiving all these unnatural amounts of reverence for something she hardly understood her beauty something which she was born with and did not acquire in any way when people said things like oh you are so pretty and lovely and gorgeous that even the goddess venus's beauty pales before you oh your beauty is so divine that it is worthy of worship the young princess could hardly understand what all these people meant by that and so people began to do just that they began to literally worship her now all this increased the popularity of the king amongst his subjects and increased his goodwill amongst his neighboring kingdoms and they did love their daughter to be loved by one and all which parent won't and hence he and his queen saw no need to intervene and stop any such practice of admiration mistaking admiration for love is a common mistake we all make till day so they merrily went along and allowed people to continue praising and worshiping their daughter no end the effect of all this on the young princess was quite debilitating since she did not understand how she should best respond to all this she had grown accustomed to being polite like all daughters and especially princesses are expected to and accept whatever everyone offered her in word kind and material although i must quickly confess how she internally experienced discomfort and doubt over these practices every night she felt lonelier and lonelier for by putting someone on a pedestal in other words was to also exclude that person from what everyone else her age practiced in daily life which means there were no little children like her who wanted to play and laugh with her her sisters got call, got called out to play and soon after go out for girls nights and dates by young princes but the third princess never ever got offered any of such mundane pleasures one day she did end up asking her kind mother the queen mother my sisters get called out to play why is that no one calls me out in fact even my very own sisters do not wish to play with me they seem to mock me by saying 
Oh, but we don't want your perfect porcelain beauty to be chipped in any way, dear little sister now, do we? And then they laugh. Her mother at best could only explain, everyone is just jealous of you, your perfect beauty and hence they behave poorly. The queen could see on her daughter's face that this was certainly not a satisfying answer, so she added in for good measure. My dear daughter, one day soon you will know how this gift of beauty will secure you the most handsome, brave and rich husband and that's all a woman should have concern with. On that day everyone who has mocked you including your sisters will bite their tongues and you will feel the satisfaction you are not able to feel today. This explanation also failed to lift the spirits of the young princess. However, there was nothing she could do then, so she continued with the old habits which had been long formed in her and continued to give audience to the seeking visitors day after day for several more years to follow, until one day she had grown into a young maiden with hair that danced with the clouds and eyes that wrote poetry on the night stars and skin that glistened like the honeydew on rare orchid petals and feet that made the bubbling brook hush in silence when she walked upon the marble floor of her palace. Hands that could caress a dying deer back to life, lips that stopped arrows in mid-air and the perfect proportion of her body that made even the gods of heaven lean down to feast upon with their eyes and soothe their aching souls. One can reason today that people were simply intimidated by such magnitude of beauty and grace which they had never encountered before and thus it paralyzed them to dare to behave in any human way possible. It was just not available to them to see such a majestic beauty as belonging to a mere mortal. All that they had to compare her beauty with was in nature. The beautiful skies, the glorious flowers, birds and beasts, the astounding landscapes of their countryside and of course the gods. Beauty of this flawless stature only belonged to something omniscient. Something too large for human beings to comprehend and hence poor mortal psyche was too condemned to receive the same treatment as did nature and gods. Besides, humans had already witnessed what the beautiful gods with whom the beauty of their princess so compared did to them. They had seen and experienced first what the divine perfectly beautiful gods were capable of. Either they could grant them wishes untold, rare, or cast upon them the most terrible of fates. The gods had passed the likes no human could really match. Hence, humans had learned to keep gods or anything godlike at arm's length, and so we still continue to do. To appease and worship the gods or anything otherworldly is a way of keeping such entities within sight, agreeably charmed, but essentially out of our intimate lives, wretched or not. Hence, they unconsciously meted the same treatment out to their unassuming victim, the princess, and treated her also like they treated the gods, for she did resemble them in so many ways, didn't she? 
No wonder that this also led the people to naturally and unconsciously abandon their popular and reigning true goddess, Venus's temples. They neglected the ritual ceremonies and worships at her temple, which had been gone on since ages, and simply began to ignore and forget the power of their one true goddess of love and beauty. Now, this cannot be good news for the goddess herself. We shall hear more about this in Chapter 2. If you like this podcast, please send a reply or a message. Enjoy your day. Thank you.